Well, praise the Lord. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Are we hooked up with Canada this morning? Okay, we can't see them back there. Maybe they can see us. Amen. All right. I think they have a water baptismal service there today. Uh, Brother George's grandson, Kalen, Kylan, K-Y-L-A-N, is going to be baptized there this morning. He's listened to the water baptismal series and asked uh, the church there to be baptize him this morning, so we're thankful for that. Well, we made it another week, didn't we? How, how many has got all the Trump that you can almost swallow? All we've listened to for the last four years is Trump this and Trump that, and he's the last Trump, I hope, amen. He will be the last Trump, how many knows that? Whether he gets voted in or whether he doesn't, he's accomplished what I voted for him for, and that is the Supreme Court judges, which basically, if you'll notice, five out of the nine are devout Catholics. So the one reason I believe that Trump will win the election is because he is the only one between the two that will be able to make a covenant with Rome over the money. Because the Democrats won't do it because they're against Israel and whatever more, but there is a covenant to be made with Rome over the money. And since you have five devout Catholics on the Supreme Court, it will be pretty easy now for him to reach a Supreme Court decision to do what they need to do for the economy. Always remember... America is Revelation chapter 13, the beast that's in the image of the Roman Catholic Church, which is the beast of Revelation 17. And we are to give all the power back to the beast, and it will be through a covenant and finances before America is actually burnt from coast to coast. And we understand now who's going to do the burning. Every city is up for a toss right now. I, I, I believe no matter who they vote in, the burning and the chaos and the looting and the rioting will continue until we either put a civil stop to it or you have a civil war in America, a race war. That's what they want. But we know one thing. I'm glad God sent a prophet to give us an understanding of what's going on in this hour so that when all of that's going on out there, we can come into the sanctuary of God and look at what God is doing among us as we watch the drama take place out there. I believe that we're shut in just like a security blanket around us. We're in the revelation and the protection of God. They want one thing happen to the bride of Christ. And when it gets time that that moves into its chaos, the squeeze gets down to great before we have to take the mark of the beast, we will slide off of the scene and be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is our message. It's because we believe that God has visited this generation. He has come down in the form of the Holy Ghost in a pillar of fire. He has re uh, repeated the same uh, events and anointed system. Brother Ram called it the anointed system of God through a pillar of fire and a prophet to finally uh, arrive with a group of people that understands what God's doing in what we call the presence of God. If you follow from Genesis to Revelation, you'll find one theme. 
The people never recognized God's presence when he was there in a form of a man doing something for them. They never accepted it, and they never recognized it at that time. Only years and years later can they look back, and now we can look back for all the way to Genesis to see the serpent seed come all the way down the trail of the serpent all the way down to us. And we see one major theme that they've always rejected, and that is God's presence manifested in the form of a man. They rejected the Son of God, which was God manifest in the flesh. They rejected every messenger, which we had seven of them. They rejected the messenger of this hour, and they are now rejecting the fivefold ministry of that messenger. And so everyone comes under this same anointed system. If you understand the system and the types that we'll look at this morning, you can actually find your place in the story. Because spiritually speaking, we are acting out the exact same story that they acted out 4,000 years ago. So we can follow Moses in this type as we look at this morning. And the reaction and the thoughts of the people, how they responded, how they acted, is exactly spiritually how we're reacting today to the presence of God. All right? So we began a few weeks ago. We got carried off little rabbit holes down in different subjects. But it's all one subject. And now this morning we're going to look at Aaron's rod that the Bible said in uh, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 4 that we started this series on about six weeks ago. Looking at the elements inside the holiest of all that Paul said was there. And from Hebrews 9 verses 1 to 5, uh, we'll just drop down to verse 4 and begin there to review our thinking. But uh, Paul said after the second veil, verse 3, the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all. So we put our drawings on the board that we sell the tabernacle divided into three parts. And the holiest of all was a small cabin or small room built in there that had a veil and inside this little room was the Ark of the Covenant, a golden pot of manna, Aaron's rod, and the two tables of stone. Only one item should have been there and that was the Ark of the Covenant with the Word of God in it. So we find these other elements there and they are pictures or examples teaching us something. You say, well, what does this have to do with us today? Exactly what it done here. We're making the same decision. We're going through the same cycle, the same anointed system, the same repeat, basically in a different spiritual form. So we're in this, in this role right here, and it speaks to us, which had the golden censer. We looked at that and found that the golden censer should have been in the holy place, but uh, Paul says it's in the holiest of all. We looked at how it got there. The Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold. The Ark of the Covenant is a box so big, molded with gold with two handles on it that they carried it on. Inside of that box or that Ark of the Covenant, that little box carrying there, was basically the golden pot that had manna. And that's what we've looked at for several weeks, the hidden manna. And Aaron's rod that budded which speaks of a ministry, and today Aaron's, Aaron's rod actually speaks to a ministry that we refer to today as the fivefold ministry. There's actually a sevenfold ministry that we look at, and basically that is basically elders and deacons, but there is a fivefold ministry ordained to handle the Word. 
The error has always come into the church by deacons and elders. That basically when there was an absence of a true fivefold minister, the people voted in an elder, which is a good man, apt to teach the word, know the word, could be a good speaker, everything charismatic about him. They put him behind the pulpit, he begins to handle the word, and it goes off the scene. Because you have to be ordained to handle the word, or basically they get one word off, they lose the effects of the word. Now, we know that this message is promised to change our bodies. Okay, we've been a long time and there's no body change. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians said his revelation would absolutely change you to an immortal body also. And the people didn't get a body change then. Now, we're beginning to think, well, we're just going to grow into it. But the Bible promises, Paul promised, Brother Brown promised that this message would absolutely change our body from mortal to immortality. Therefore, when we come to the pure understanding of the message, as simple as it is, and it comes down to God is here to change your body. When it comes down to the simplicity and union of what God's doing, His anointed system, then we will basically get the product of the message, which is a changed body. Now, we understand through the soul, we went through the teaching, you eat and make your body, and we're feeding on the body word of the Son of Man, we're feeding on the hidden manna, with the promise and the hope and the expectation that we're in the hour now of fulfillment, that there will be a living group that will not die, but will be changed. We are that group. We're living. We're either going to be changed or we're going to be left. We're going to be changed or we're going to be left. We're either wise or foolish virgins or we know there's unbelievers there. But I believe this morning we're in this group of wise and foolish virgins. Hopefully everyone here is a wise virgin, a true believer. That's what we believe in and confessing. So we find in this holiest of all Aaron's rod that budded. So we're looking at a ministry, and this hour very unique. And as I said last week, you're probably not going to believe what the Bible tells us that is true. Now, I didn't design this sermon as we go along this morning and pick it up. You'll begin to unfold. Many years ago, this subject come up, and it was a large debate in the message over Aaron's rod and his type, because the type was that, and Brother Branham said it, and I'll pick it up later in the message, that Levail was to him as Aaron was to Moses. And the debate come up that most people did not accept Levail's teaching or writing of the church age book, and therefore, then they begin to teach he was a false teacher, da 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 and here you go. But the theory is right and the system is right. There is a prophet, and we know that Brother Branham could not speak plainly. You can listen to one of his sermons, and unless you basically told the same stories over, you wouldn't be able to get a, a message, a lesson, verse by verse, and detail it out and bring it out to a doctrine that you could understand. You can listen to two hours, and basically you couldn't get a 30-minute sermon out of it. Unless you told the same stories and told the same thing that he did and said, now this is what Brother Branham said, or stand here and read verbatim the quotes. All right, as Moses had to have someone to interpret what God told him, we understand that Brother Branham also had to be interpreted. And there's where you get touchy who's able to interpret. But we understand that the interpretation of the Word comes down into a ministry and that ministry is preeminent or predominant to bringing the people to a perfection or true understanding of what the prophet taught. 
Now, whether we like it or not, that's the way that it is. So we can either argue with it, squabble against it, find ourselves here and there. But this is a picture that we're going to look at. So, and over it is it, uh, the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. And I believe that what he was talking about was basically the cherubims that covered. One was uh, Michael and one was Satan, the two anointed cherubims, almost twins. One was God and one was the devil. And so he said, I'm not going to get into that right now. This anointing, I'll pick that up later on. So he said, now, look, as we look at Aaron's rod, that's what we want to look at this morning, Aaron's rod that budded. Aaron's rod that budded speaks of God vindicating or proving a true ministry. That's the primary look at it. There has to be a ministry that God accepts. And there is a ministry that copies it. Now, you've got all kinds of copy out there in the world today. W.V. Grant, all these, Jimmy Swagger, all of them believe that they have uh, Brother Branham's mantle. I don't believe none of them's got Brother Branham's mantle. So there is copies to it. I've got an angel appear to me. I've got a sign in my hand. I'll tell you what your telephone number, on and on we went through that. The false anointings of Matthew 24. Jambres and Jambres withstood Moses. So does these ones withstand the word in this hour. And they withstood him with the same signs and wonders that we find that Moses done through a stick. We got, we're going to talk about a magic stick this morning. If we could ever find that stick, we would be powerful. Amen. So we look at Aaron's rod that budded. And this was placed in the scripture for us now as a lesson. It's placed there as a principle that God sets forth. That we do not make the same mistake today in the Omega that they made in their exodus. You may not even understand that you are in an exodus, a spiritual exodus. We're not traveling too fast. To me, I believe that we have come to a conclusion. We're coming to the end. And basically, we have ceased to eat the manna that fell out of heaven for them. We had our manna in the wilderness too. The Word of God is going to be fulfilled. It's going to bring a group of people to sons and daughters of God. And we won't have to sit here and say, well, Brother Branham said, and the Bible said, and begin to eat this manna, this word. We will absolutely become the word that we have partaken of. In other words, we will absolutely be physical manifestation of a gene life called sons and daughters of God. Therefore, you will be a part or Messiahs, anointed ones in human flesh, the mature word of God brought to its conclusion and therefore, the word is fulfilled for us. And he takes us, the word, out, the body of Christ, which is fulfillment of the word, places them and comes back for the remnant of 144,000, which we understand that in the book of Revelation. Now watch. So this story here is telling us of the principles that we are going to face, and we have faced them in this spiritual exodus under the same system of a prophet and a pillar of fire. Now, we are in a position now that basically the prophet, and if you want to put the teacher, Brother Lee there, some do, some don't, both have passed off of the scene. Moses and Aaron are gone. Now, we understand that Joshua took over. We're under our Joshua now, which is that same pillar of fire that they taught us, 
broke it down, manifested that presence here. We're now under the leadership or the headship of the Holy Ghost in the form of a pillar of fire. He has taken headship of his body or the bride. I believe that we are absolutely married to him, the revealed word of God. Amen. So we must keep in mind that when the people were in Egypt, we're going to look at that exodus and type it over here to the physical, to the spiritual. And Brother Branham preached many lessons all the way through and showed you and told us exactly what went on then is going on now. The same mistakes they made, they made in this hour. The same ones that believe in a certain thing will believe it in this hour. And only a very few ever believed God's messenger and took a man's word to be the word of God. Especially Jesus, and they killed him for it. Amen. So, these people here, the one thing that you see from the very beginning of the story is that the people did not realize or they could not comprehend God's presence and what it meant. In the days of Jesus, they could not comprehend God's presence and what it meant. Brother Branham preached a message, the unrecognized presence of God. He said, you do not recognize God's presence here and what it means to you. If you only understood who I am. Now, that was a broad statement now. It's hard for us to grasp and harder for us to even embrace. If you only understood who I was, you would be healed. Can we comprehend and bring our minds down that an invisible God would take a man's body and take that man and display himself through the individual and make that man the same as God to us? And he did. Now, there's the, there's the pullback. There's where everybody says, oh, wait a minute. If that's true, then I've got to hear this man, and I don't like what he's saying. If that's true, I've got to hear this man. And I don't like what he's saying. Amen. So we have looked into the thoughts and reactions made by the people in that hour. And we are told in the message, Third Exodus, that this is a repeat of the end time of which the whole Bible is now being fulfilled in this generation. In other words, the whole Bible was written for this end time generation, you and I. The Bible has been sealed up for 6,000 years, starting from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. This Bible has been locked up, sealed up to the minds of the people. You come down into the last, say, 50 years, and you will not find many books written about the Bible. You have to find the Bible transcribed, and some of the ancient scribes would give their commentary and writings about it. But men did not understand the Bible. They taught it and debated all the way down through church history. Rome and the Catholic Church set up a whole school of prophets and teachers and learners, and all they done every day was read the Scripture to try to understand what it said. This Bible is locked up by God. And it was ordained or told us that it would be unsealed or unlocked to our knowledge and understanding in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. All right, now it's left up to us to find that seventh angel. 
Is he come and we missed him? Is he here now or is he to be? For one or the other, the seventh angel is the only one ordained by God to open the Bible that we can understand and find ourselves as the adopted sons of Almighty God. Truly understand salvation. For salvation is by sovereignty of God through election by His grace. No works that any man can boast. There is nothing that you can do to get yourself in there. And basically it's not what you do, it's what you believe. That's the reason why people, they say, well, you mean tell me you can do anything you want to and be in there? Yes, you can. But how many sees themselves as an ordained son of God and desire to go out here and wallow in the hog pen with the hogs? Why would you want to live and dress like prostitutes when you're a royal daughter of God? Because we're royalty. We're a different seed, a different race than the people out here. So why should we want to look like these people when we are separated like these people over here? You're royalty. You're going to sit on the throne as a bride and rule and reign with Him. So I think we should have a little character. We've got a little dress. We've got a poise about us. We've got a disposition that's absolutely different. And we didn't make ourselves that way. We're ordained and there's a life in us that causes us to be that way. So we're looking at election. And people couldn't understand Brother Brown being a legalist. He preached on hair, dress, and if he missed anything, you just tell me what he missed. And basically, I'll find where he said it. But then he come down to the end after the seals was open and saw that it was an unconditional covenant. That it was believing the Word of God plus nothing would put you in the atonement. The blood done it once and for all. And your faith in the atonement absolutely places you as sinless before Almighty God. Now that's the message people has hard to understand because we're Armenians and Pentecostals. Believing that it's our works, our duties, our gifts, or whatever more. Work, 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 do, do, do. What more is going to get us in? It is not. The more you work and more you have gifts and whatever more, which is wonderful. You do it right, it's fine. But the more that you look at what you can do, the more opportunity you have to miss it. It's believing the Word. So the Word cannot be that complicated. If we've got to believe every word to make it, then the Word cannot be that complicated that it takes a genius of the third degree to get it. It takes a babe that will say amen to God's Word and let it lay right there under sovereignty of God. So if God said, I'm going to raise up a man and you've got to hear that man, then that's just the way that it is. You say, what if I don't like the man? Well, that's your hard luck. That's my hard luck. Well, what if he says some hard things that I don't like? That's my hard luck. Just buckle down and eat it. Now, it may be a bitter to your stomach, but it'll work its way out to where it'll bring a revelation and a rest. Amen. We see to them it was just a man. The children of Israel, you go back, it was just a man. Basically, they understood Moses was the one that run off and had killed two men before he took off and buried him. There's always somebody with a camera watching you. We've proven that. So somebody sees you no matter what you do. And then all of a sudden he comes back a few years later and he's got a stick in his hand. He's got a beard, what more. And now he claims he's went out and he's found God and he's God's messenger. That sounds pretty weird to me. 
What if we had a guy walk out on the road and he had a stick and he said, I'm God's messenger, everybody's got to listen to me or else. <laughs> uh, don't, we had that on TV every week. Don't, don't give me that stuff, you know. But that's the way God done it, and that's the way he done it over and over and over. And only the elect is able to recognize God's plan and the way that he communicates. So we see to the people that Moses was just a man claiming to represent God who had a magic stick. Now the stick is the mystery this morning. I didn't know there was such a controversy that they claimed that the Bible contradicts itself over this stick. I know there's one God, two gods, or three gods, but why are we arguing over a stick? Is it Moses' stick? Is it Aaron's rod? Is it God's rod? Whose rod is it? Because we're going to find where, if I would ask you who threw down the rod, in front of Pharaoh, and his rod swallowed up the snakes of the other rods. Most people would say Moses, but it was Aaron's rod. Oh, Aaron's rod. Or was it Moses' rod that Moses handed to Aaron, and Aaron threw it down? Because if it was Aaron's rod, Aaron's rod manifested more power than Moses' rod. Not take all that and read the scripture back and forth. Or was it God's rod? So that's what we're going to look at this morning. How this gift, this magic rod, this stick which represents authority. And it is a rod or a gift that God gives every minister to be able to carry out his ministry. Brother Branham's magic Stick was what? He had a vision. He could discern the hearts and intents of the individuals. He was given a gift of healing, a gift of discernment. Three signs he was given. But he had a revelation of the name of Jesus that every time he spoke that name, that magic stick worked. Now, if we had that magic stick, that stick will do the same thing in my hand as it will in your hand. That stick done the same thing in Aaron's hand that it done in Moses' hand. So if I can ever find out what that magic stick was that Brother Branham used, that Jesus used, and gave that stick to you and I, and said that you can use it, and it has authority over every devil, over name, over every power, over every principality, then we ought to be able to take our stick and manifest the vindicated bride. All right? So we see to them, Moses was a man claiming to represent God, and the people couldn't take it. Now, you know, as I go through this story, we are speaking about us today, what God has presented before us today. I've come in basically in the early 60s and 70s. That was right after the prophet left the scene. And the people was very aware of what was going on. And the same turmoil was going on in the frameworks of this group of Exodus people that was going on right here in the Scripture. Now here we find ourselves 
all the way through the Exodus. Now we're down here in strong meat or basically feeding on the third pull under the seventh seal. You do not, may not realize it, but you're feeding on the hidden manna under the seventh seal that 99% of the world has never heard or will they believe. Melchizedek, mystery of Melchizedek, was under the seventh seal. The true revelation of the Godhead was under the seventh seal. The mystery of the serpent seed, your true election, that gene soul that you got, was under the seventh seal. Marriage and divorce that took care of your sin. We hadn't got to there yet, but see, we were born in sin. Shaping and naked come the world speaking lies. We're all born of our adulterous parents, Eve, Adam and Eve. Every one of us now, we may not be caught in the physical of married and remarried and born, but we was all guilty of being married to the world, married to our organization, married to the system. We had a husband before the Word of God showed up. Now, we cannot be remarried to the revealed Word of God. You say, well, I come out of the Baptist and I become a messenger. You cannot be remarried to the revealed Word of God unless your first husband be dead. The Pentecostal age is not dead to 99% of the people in this message. They're still calling people to the altar. They're still trying to use the Pentecostal principles. Because they're still eating on the first principles of the manna that's in the Bible that we call Pentecostal or Bible. Once we understand that our first husband is dead... Then we can be remarried and be in the state as a virgin before God that is here as the judge. You may not realize it, but you have stood before the judge, Almighty God, in this hour. And because you are continuing on listening and learning and waiting, you have been found not guilty or you, had been, you would filter on out and go on out in the world. You say, well, I got my problems, but I'm still hanging on. Then you have already been before the judge. And you've been allowed to pass on or in this carrier, in this atmosphere, looking for that perfect union so your body can be changed to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You say, well, Gregory, who do you think you are? I think that I, by a prophet in this hour, I think that I am a born-again son and daughter of God just like you. Being elected and predestinated by God to stand here this morning, and you are predestinated here to hear, making us of one body, one mind, and one portion, one time, and one season, that we are the Word manifested in flesh. And we have absolutely, and I'll show you in a minute, we have absolutely become prophets because we speak what a prophet has already told us and said, thus saith the Lord. God's Word in your mouth will do the same thing as the Word of God in Moses' mouth, Brother Brown's mouth, Paul's mouth, or whose mouth is in, is still the Word of God. And that's the principle. 
Say what I say and you'll get the same results. I know that it will work because when I was stupid and young and started out in the ministry, we'd go out and we'd challenge the Baptist and met what well, Dennis used there. If Brother Brown was a prophet and he's still, God's a still healer, if he don't do it now, William Brown's a false prophet. Call him up and have miracles, signs, over and over and over. It wasn't me that was on the line. It was the word of a prophet on the line. God didn't vindicate me. Oh, Brother Gregory. No, it was God vindicating his prophet. The word is true no matter whose mouth is in. Then when I learned better, then I laid that aside and went to, into the Word more. We realized that was also true in the flesh of Jesus Christ. Jesus was actually the prophet. He was the only begotten Son of God. He was uniquely born. He was not God that turned Himself into a a sperm and an egg and come forth out as a child or whatever more like they want to say. But he was an incarnated tabernacle where God, the invisible spirit, come into him. And when you looked at a man, you couldn't tell uh, that he was God. He looked the same as I'm looking at you. But there was another spirit in him, which was God. And that spirit could talk to you, and you didn't know whether it was God talking to you or the man talking to you, so you just took the words of the man as God speaking to you. They couldn't, they couldn't separate it. Brother Bram said the disciples didn't understand most of the time whether it was God speaking to them or whether it was Jesus speaking to them. So now in our day, we find that the same mindset towards God and towards God's presence and the people don't understand and don't know that all things are now possible with the rod of God that He has placed into our hands. The prophet has placed this power that he had into the hands of a fivefold ministry and the body. Which basically, we call it the trickle down, but it's not trickle down, it is God's will for every son and daughter to be a prophet. Not a prophet as an office like Moses, but a prophet with the Word of God in their mouth, giving a testimony as Enoch had a testimony that pleased God. He had the Word of God in his mouth. He had a confession, and his confession was according to a revelation that God gave him, being there present with him. And that confession of God's presence, witnessed by this pyramid, he wrote it in stone right in front of him. He wrote the Bible in stone. So God's presence was there in the days of Enoch. God's presence was there in the days of Noah. God's presence was there with Abraham in the days of Lot. And the, every one of them missed the message come out over my people and went into the rapture, went over the flood, and come out of Sodom and Gomorrah in this hour. They all turned down God's presence. And we're doing the same thing. It's so simple and we miss it. Now, we've looked at the pot of gold that contained the manna. Now, remember the manna and Aaron's rod goes away. The Aaronic priesthood ended. The manna finally got worms in it or they eat the last of it. 
The only thing left in the Ark of the Covenant, when you look at it, it's in heaven, is basically the Word. So we will come down by these types of where there's nothing but the Word. Word, 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 Word. And that's where we're coming down to as we filter ourselves through the prophet, through preachers, through teaching, grow, grow, grow until the word now has been fulfilled and it's over. There's very little increase of knowledge today. You can study and study. I've done it for almost 40 years. Sometimes eight, ten hours a day, still do most of, the, most of the time. But it's amazing how many hours it takes to get just the least bit of food out of the message. When we first started, we'd just cut off a big steak and chew on it for a month. Rejoice and shout and whatever more, talk about it, man, it was wonderful, hallelujah, and everything else. But then basically, as we fed on it and fed on it sooner the nourishment out of it gets less and less and less. So we found out this manna was food that this, in this golden pot, there was a manna that rained out every day. We went over that. And that food was necessary to take the people across the wilderness. It was necessary to take them in their journey to the promised land. And remember, the promised land to us today is Basically, the millennium or the baptism of the Holy Ghost. At a very specific time of Exodus, then it stopped, and we find out the same principle holds true today. Now, Brother Bram said basically in the third Exodus, I'll read to you, it gives you the picture. Watch. He said, Come out in this Exodus that we're in, for all that's left behind will bear the mark of the beast. Everything outside of this message, and basically we'll find out that there's many in the message will correlate with the government and align their churches through corporations and governmental rules and will bow down and partake of this civil order at the end, which is actually the mark of the beast. We'll find out to keep their doors open because they're so popular and their churches are so big and they're so important. They feel like they've got to keep the church open for the people regardless of what they've got to give into the government. You say, well, we know that organizations do that. Charismatic, the bride will too. There's people in this message that already give way to organization. He said, come out of Babylon. Come out of this confusion. Come out of these systems and serve the living God. If you're joined to any system, you have already taken the mark of the beast. You say, well, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. That's a good church and good people. We're not talking about a good church or good people. The mark of the beast is organized religion. Because the beast is Rome, Revelation chapter 13. And it was the mother of harlots. It is the great mother church of all the churches. But you remember, she is a, a harlot. In other words, she has committed adultery to her husband, the revealed word, and her daughters have committed adultery with her under the same thing of Protestantism. God will not marry a harlot. So in this end time, when all the systems was in harlotry, 
he had to come down and basically call out of a church, a group of people, to wash her by the water of the word. And there had to be an event happen to where he could pronounce her first husband dead and declare her sinless before his presence to be united with the Logos or God's word that's here now to make you a part of the revelation to take you into immortality and the rapture. This is what's transpiring within you through our minds now. The more you meditate upon the Word of God of whatever you want, the quicker you will absolutely have what you're desiring. You flood your mind with a If you want healing, I said before, go get another Bosworth's Christ the Healer. Go get Tommy Osborne's. What is it? Uh, what's the name of the book? Healing something. Go get all the books you can on healing. Read them over and over and over and over. Fill your mind with the principles of healing. Once your mind is full of the word of healing, it will absolutely heal your body. If I wanted a ministry of healing, all I would look at and read and all I would preach would be about healing. But remember, healing is a minor and only a witness in this hour that the major or the word is here, not only to heal your body, but to give you perpetual health in an immortal body. See, we're not looking at the atonement out here with the lamb in the outer court. That's where everybody's preaching. Oh, the blood of Jesus, the blood. No, no, we're looking at the holiest of all in here when the sins are omitted by the high priest. The sin question is settled once and for all. Message people cannot accept that sin question is settled. They're still with their minds full of what we call legalism, right and wrong. Place your mind on the true justification and what the prophet said, you've never done it in the first place. You stand before God as absolutely sinless. Praise be to God. That's your standing. That's your state. Put that in your mind and see what it does for you. Let that get down to the soul. Brother Bam said, now watch. This great angel of the covenant, Jesus Christ in the form of God, which we know that's a logos or a pillar of fire, thought it not robbery but become evil with God. In other words, he become joint heirs with Christ. He, he was head half of the Father's kingdom. Watch, now he's a pillar of fire in the same form that he was back there. Bringing that first exodus, bringing the second exodus, and here he is with the third exodus. Here we are. Can we, can we even grasp it? I mean, are we getting so uh, numb, what more, and the emotions evaporated out of the Gentile people in us also that it's getting worse. It just, it's just nothing hardly there. First Exodus, what did he do? He brought them out of a natural land to a natural land. The second day, he brought them out of, from a spiritual Exodus into a spiritual baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
Now he is bringing them from the spiritual baptism of the Holy Ghost right back into the eternal land of the millennium and the great hereafter. In other words, justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then word. People got to move from Pentecost to word. It's not back to, it's not back to Pentecost. It's to the word. It's not let us go back to Pentecost. Let us move on into the Word. And the Word is here. It's our headship. It's our intelligence. It's our thinking. It's our knowledge. And it will operate through the mind. We are the mind stage of the body of Christ. Praise God. Now watch now. Right back into the eternal land of millennium and the hereafter. Same pillar of fire. Here's what we want to look at. By the same anointed system, the same God doing the same things, the same word, which is Logos, the same pillar of fire, the same Logos, declared the first one, Exodus, under Moses, declared the second one under Jesus. That same pillar of fire, that same light, is now declared the third one. And here we see it among us. And we showed you the picture last week. You've seen the picture over and over. The light that the photograph took over Brother Branham's head called the anointing or the Logos is what he was speaking of. The pillar of fire, God. The same one that come in the days of Moses. They saw him. They saw him on the mountain. They followed him. A cloud, fire by night. They visibly saw him. There it was. Amen. That same light has appeared in this generation down on the Ohio River, and that same light has done exactly the same thing over and over spiritually to us as he did in the first Exodus, the second Exodus, now in the third. Now remember, the messenger, Moses and Aaron, are dead. They're gone. Okay, here we're left. There's not going to be another Moses. There's not going to be another revival. I notice some of the churches now are preaching, oh, bride's revival, we've got to have revival, revival. There's not going to be another revival. You're being revived now, resurrected now from the inside out. This is our resurrection. We have come out of the systems. We have been declared free. We are the living memorial of this third exodus. You say, well, you don't, we don't look much like it. Well, I'd be the first one to agree with you that we don't look much like it, but who knows what we're supposed to look like anyway? Oh, well, if you was this and you ought to be, show me where I should be doing so and so and so and so. The Bible only says I'll believe, and until God speaks, I'll keep my mouth shut so there's nobody can tell who I am but me and God. Amen. So let's just be patient a little bit. He said, now watch, come out of it, 
come out of this chaos, come to the living God, come to the Logos or the Word. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. I believe that the Logos was made flesh in the messenger of this hour called William Branham. You say, uh oh, he's deity. No, yeah, I'm deity. I follow God. You're not old enough to go to the movies. When I was, what, seven, no, seven or eight years old. Now, that's a long time ago now. I remember this morning, the 34, 34 anniversary. And I performed the wedding ceremony. So that tells you I'm getting on up in age. I can look over the hill now already. Twilight age is coming. Didn't think I'd ever reach this age. I preached body change and rapture so long I thought I'd be gone by now. Every one of you thought I'd be gone too, didn't you? I'll hang around a little while later. Maybe he'll just go on and go get off the scene and quit bothering us. Amen. But we'll hang on. We'll make it. Amen. So this hidden matter, let's call it spiritual food in due season. I dropped my thoughts there. I'll understand. That's what you do when you're 80. You say, what was my thought? I don't know. Let's keep on going. This Exodus, they had spiritual food. Let's call it spiritual food in due season or Exodus food. I, call, I like to call it Exodus food. Because there's nobody on earth in any church or any system that feeds on the same diet that we feed on. I've watched Baptists come in here and sit, and most of them last about one week or sometimes two, and we had some hard-headed ones that lasted three or four. I have found no one yet that can sit and basically agree with what you're teaching and feed on it for any period of time. You know why? Because it's not the same diet that's out there in every church. They're feeding you manna. Is John 3.16 for breakfast? Is John 3.16 for supper? Is John 3.16 for the afternoon meal? God loves you. He's good. He'll give you a Cadillac. He's going to prosper you. He's going to make you good. you got a destiny. You can do whatever you want to. You can conquer mountains. You can conquer devils. You can just be whatever you want to be. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We're going to live forever. They come looking for more manna we have young men out of college every year come sit in the congregation because why they know that we are that cult that follows William Branham a prophet so they come to listen and watch what you do and what we say so we can go back and write their thesis on cults I haven't found one of them and I've talked to several of them that will stay long enough to talk not a one of them understands what you're talking about They can watch you read the Bible. They can watch you read the Scripture. But they don't have a clue how you see what you see. They say, it's not there. That's not what it's saying. It's just not there. But it is. So what we have, we have an Exodus diet. We got a diet that comes from heaven by a unique little Kentucky hillbilly 
uh, that couldn't talk very plain, but had a magic stick. Because he could take off his hat and say, Father, we have this need here. In the name of Jesus, let it be done. And it happened, and nobody understood what was going on. When a man can walk in front of four, five hundred thousand people and bring up a sun worshiper whose eyes are nothing but white sockets because he's looked in the sun and was totally blind and have 20-something priests of different religions, Zeke, Zangs, and whatever more sitting here, and come up to that prophet and said, one of you men come up here and give this man his sight. Look who we're talking about. Any of you guys, Baptist, Methodist, Zeke, Zang, whatever, come up here and give this man their sight. Not a one of them had a peep. Not a one of them now was exercising their bragging down to their congregation how important and how smart they was. And he laid his hands on him and he said, in the name of Jesus, poof, had a bright blue eyes and he could see everything. And people went crazy and healing spread for 20-something miles that people stood there in braces and crutches and everything else, threw their crutches down, rose up and walked off, and everyone was healed for 21 miles under one man's little prayer, and you call that a Kentucky hillbilly. Or you show me a doctor of divinity that can do, just get the hit. Yeah. I got a numb knee. Get somebody up here and take care of this knee. Maybe he's got a little problem you'd like for somebody to say, just take care of this problem. Yeah. Every one of us do. But here was someone that could take care of your problem. Even to the place of creation. You say, Brother Greg, in my mind cannot comprehend that. I cannot go that far. We must go that far. Not to become a cult, but to see a system that God has set forth that we can hear and believe and be changed. We have an Exodus body-changing message. Amen. Let's skip on down here a little farther. We find we come to the separation of the wilderness food and leadership that's under the manna. God parted the Red Sea, which we understand speaks of the opening of the seals to us. But like the children of Israel, they couldn't grasp the seventh seal. The seventh seal promised Israel that they could take the land of promise, that it would be full of milk and honey. We know the story. We've told all the stories. Every preacher tells the story. So on the cross, oh, we're like grasshoppers. We can't take it. This great what more. And they wander around for 40 years because they grumbled and main grumbled. We can't take it. We can't take it. We can't take it. What if they had took Moses at his word? Walked across and said, I don't care what it looks like. We got a word of the prophet. I don't care what the armies is. I don't care what the politics is. I don't care what the conditions is. We got a word of thus saith the Lord. That we the living bride will not see one atomic bomb strike America. Before we're at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And remember Russia has a bomb with our name on it. And they will bomb us. 
in the very near future. They were called out by signs and wonders, so were we. They were fed and they drank water out of the rock. And during their years of wandering, the older generation died in the physical journey. We represent the generation now that's left past 21. All the old warriors, all the old generation primarily is, I'm the last of the generation. I'm 80 years old, so I'm the last of a period of time. It said 21, I got in, maybe I'm in, maybe I'm not. If I'm not, I got to go by the way of the grave. If I'm in, I can go by the rapture. When they crossed Jordan, manna ceased. You can type that many ways, but the manna ceased, and this is the only time now a natural food was absolutely provided for a group of people that was sent down to heaven to get them through a period of time or across the wilderness. We went through it. Jesus was a spiritual food come down to heaven and brought them through the spiritual exodus. Now then we have a hidden matter this hour under the seventh seal for our exodus food that will take us through this journey. So we are in our exodus and we have the same anointed system, the same pillar of fire. Then we have a special diet designed to change our bodies. We have seen Jesus said now this end time. We went back a couple of weeks ago. Jesus said, eat my body. He that eateth me shall never die. Then he said, there's a manna come down from heaven in the omega that whosoever eats this body, a revelation of Jesus Christ, the seventh age, will not die, but will be changed. So we find a promise by Jesus that the manna, which is a revelation of himself, that we will partake of and not absolutely die. There's a process taking place in your soul through your mind by feeding on the Word of God that is transforming your spirit to let your soul out to the flesh and anoint it for the change of our bodies. That process is going on every day. And it becomes so slow and so gradual that we basically don't recognize it. Now, let's look at a few scriptures of this anointed system. Let's go to Exodus 7, 1 to 2. I don't know whether we'll get through it or not, but we'll look at some of it. Here's the principle that we're looking at that's hard to get across. Exodus 7, 1 and 2. And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh. How many can swallow that? How many can swallow that? Do you believe that Moses was made God to Pharaoh? Okay, that's all right because that was to them people back there. We can believe that God made Moses a God to Pharaoh. Can we believe that he made a man God to me? Because if you can't take it to Pharaoh 4,000 years ago, you're sure not going to take it to us today. But it says, the Lord said unto Moses now, I have made thee a God to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Now here's your anointed system, and I know everybody's drawn up. I'm not in this picture, so forget it. I'm not trying to get you to see me at all. I'm just one relating it. 
Thou shalt speak all that I command thee. In other words, God's going to talk to Moses. And Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh all that I spoke unto you. In other words, I'm going to put my word in your mouth. And you're going to put that word in Aaron's mouth. And Aaron is only supposed to say what you put in his mouth. Now for me, I'm only supposed to say what God put in Brother Brown's mouth in. You see why the Spirit come down to people are afraid to stand up and preach? They only want to read a quote. And now they've got down to play Brother Branham's tapes only. The men are afraid of their own roles. They're afraid of the responsibility to the people that I stand here as a prophet to you. You stand as a prophet to your children and to everybody out there. Because we're getting a revelation by the communication of the Word of God, handed down, handed down, handed down, and repeated verbatim. And when you say what I say, like Brother Matt said, say what I say, and you'll get the same results. Or he said, say what the Bible said. It doesn't make God any difference if you're reading the Bible to him or you're trying to memorize it to him. Better, I'd rather try to read it to him so I can see what it really says than try to remember and impress God that I know what he's already said. God, you said in John 3, 16 that you sent your son into the world that if I believed upon him, I would never die. I believe that. And I even believe the next verse or two. That you have come in the form of a light as the judge, and you have called me before the judgment seat of Christ. And I, with apprehension, brought my soul right to the light and had it judged to see whether I was serpent seed or I was true seed of God. And glory to God, you told me I was the seed of God. So therefore, I do not question your judgment. I do not question your trial. I'm going to stand up and say the prophet said and that God's word said that I am that son of God that the world looked for as to come. And you can say the exact same thing. That's what we're trying to get across. There has to be a confession that comes out of the mouth of the bride that God confirms to be the final amen for the change. Watch. What you're looking at, real quickly, is a trickle-down system, even though it's not really a trickle-down like water running down, but it is a trickle-down principle. God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of woman. Okay? That's a trickle-down principle. God, Christ, man, woman. That's an order. That's a system. That's the way that it works. So you have God, prophet, fivefold ministry, then the body of Christ. You say, well, you're trying to separate. No, it's a system that we all become one. 
come into one mind, one understanding, one faith, one Lord, one God, one confession, that God's presence here with us will anoint you just like a, just like a breeze go over you, like a whew, chill. And for all purposes, you will be a young person again. Now, I will realize that more than you. I know I'm worried, Karen, y'all want to come. Because I'm 81 or 80-something, and you are just past over 25 or 30, so you're still in the range that you think you're handsome and good-looking and still can do anything you want to. But just hang around another year or two, and you'll understand why Brother Gregory talks, and he's spitting he's what more than he goes back to where he started from all over again. If you've been with me all these years, you understand I've got one thought. You're a unique group of people. You have been ministered and fed an Exodus diet. You're not going to swallow that stuff out there. You can go out there. I said, just go out there and say it. If you can handle it, good. They might go out there, but they can't handle it. If you're ever exposed to this mess and you open your mind up to it, that's all you're going to see. You say, oh, that's a cult. That's a cult. The cult is out there. Every Baptist, Methodist, every blasphemous name, there's your cults. And they're just like the Democrats. They're telling you that you're a liar, you're a thief, you're this, you're off the word. And they're the ones off of the word. Praise God, hallelujah, anyhow. God said, Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh. Now, that's a principle we're trying to get. In other words, Moses, you put the words in his mouth because he speaks well. I always wondered what would happen if God put these words in T.D. Jake's mouth. He speaks well. What about Robertson? He, orator. Speaks well. But when he put his words in the mouth of Lee Vale... Hmm. We don't think he spoke too well. Got awful quiet. I know it's awful quiet throughout the TV land too. Oh, brother Gregory, don't don't think don't think you don't say nothing good about Lee Bell. I put it like this: There's never been a teacher on earth outside of him that understands this message from the message and the Bible. Bar none. Now, what does that make him a teacher? But how many knows you need a teacher or you will never get anywhere? You won't. But remember, you cannot teach Pentecostals doctrine. They will not sit and listen to principles until the principle changes them. Amen. All right, let's, let's, let's far enough. Let's just stop right there, would you? Let's stand this morning. The Bible tells us in Numbers 11, Moses said, Would to God that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put His Spirit upon them. If God put His Spirit upon you this morning, you would start prophesying, you would start speaking in tongues, you would start preaching, you would start doing something. 
you will start expressing the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Every one of us that will take the word of a prophet and believe it, and then when you begin telling anybody about it, is automatically a prophet. I told the church back in the boot hill about 84 that my ministry was a prophet and they'd like to run me out of the state. Oh, you're trying to be like Brother. We don't have but one of Brother Branham. A prophet in the fivefold ministry is simply a preacher. I've always said I'm not a true pastor because I don't have the nature and the spirit of a true pastor. I teach because I have no place to evangelize or preach. So it's a mixed bag of tea. I preach and teach to you verbatim what the prophet taught, the best of my ability. And that's the reason why you get lives changed for the last 35 years because we're growing in the doctrine and the knowledge of God. And true doctrine is the only thing that will hold you through this squeeze and take you in a rapture. By the teaching of the Word, we have filtered out the Trinitarian doctrine or dogma. This two-God business, which is no such a thing. There is only one God. Let me understand that. Say with me. There's only one God. And His name is the Lord Jesus Christ, who had one unique Son, created in a virgin, who was the only begotten Son of God. By whom was our perfect sacrifice that freely gave up the ghost for us and became sin that we might become the righteousness of God through faith in the finished product of the cross. Amen. That's what we believe and that's what we confess. William Branham was God's prophet. I don't care how you slice it, how much you criticize it, how much internet you believe, and how much they teach that it's false, this and whatever more. All you can say what you want to. The minute we put his words in our mouth, which is the interpretation of the Bible, not William Branham's words, not his stories, put his interpretation of the scripture in our mouth. And teach your children or meditate in your own mind. That meditation will bring us to the product of 2 Corinthians, which is a body change. Amen. Amen. Politics aside, we're living in a glorious, glorious hour. Because everything that the church has waited on, all this great hype of the rapture, all this glorious revival they claim to come, all this wonderful power of the Holy Ghost, we're sitting right on the brink of it, and you are the vessels that it's going to be manifested in. You say, well, I don't feel nothing. I don't know whether. But basically, according to the Word of God, you sit here and feed on the Word of God, not my preaching, the Word of God. That is evidence that you are the vessel that the Holy Ghost is deposited in. If that's not it, you tell me what it is. Because you, if you're not elected, you will not sit and listen to this hogwash, this fairy tales of a man doing miracles and sticks and everything else. It just sounds like Latin. 
But if you're a bride, you see yourself in this picture. You are feeding on spiritual food in due season. It is an Exodus diet. And it's just about ready to come to an end because when we see the true atonement and perfection in Christ, it is over. It is over. Now you're a mature son and daughter of God and you don't need the first principles of the doctrines of Christ. You now have the strong meat, which is hidden manna in due season. Praise be to God. You look nice today. Amen. What were we saying before we, before we cut over here? You know the song you sang last? How many loves the Lord? Do you really believe it? Go ahead and read the notes. We get <laughs> Whose rod was it? Aaron's rod? Moses' rod? Brother Branham said it was God's rod. I got to reading the scripture. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's Moses' rod. And Aaron's rod doing the same thing Moses' rod doesn't. Wait a minute. So I got to running, Brother Branham said, now it was not Moses' rod. It was God's rod. And then I let my mind go. And I read the scripture where Moses said, well, I'm not a good speaker. I can go to, I, I, can't, I can't convince them. And God said, what do you got in your hand? Now, I don't know whether he had a staff in his hand. Or when he was asked, what do you got in your hand? A rod appeared in his hand like the sword appeared in the prophet's hand. Because the prophet out there on the mountain, he said, he looked and he had a sword in his hand. Real. Shiny. Gold handle. Looked at it. Brother Bram said, that wasn't Moses' stick. That was God's stick. He said, if they'd ever got that stick away from Moses, he'd been helpless. That's the reason he guarded it with his life, he said. He said, you do know that stick to us is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, it doesn't work as good as it's supposed to because we don't reverence it enough and we use it and made it common. But that bride, when she begins to respect that name and know that that is her name, her role, her position, and speak that name in reverence and sincerity, that rod, that name will do the same thing that it's always done. You will speak and it will create it will move mountains. It will provide whatever you have need of in this hour. Say to this mountain, be thou moved and cast into the sea. We will come to a confession of who we are and what we are in Christ. We are believers. We are now the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. What's he saying? I'm rich in faith and hope and love. Shake hand with somebody this morning. You're singing out. Well, I'm rich in faith and hope and love. I share.
feels good this morning. Come on. Oh, you made it through another lesson. You know, I'd come back for one more week, but praise God, I feel good in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Faith and hope and love more than my share. I'm a rightful heir. Amy is rich this morning. the rod it's a good subject it's dangerous to get into you can type it and get into trouble with God but we only look at it as vindication at a type but Aaron's rod is gone man is gone and now the only thing left is the revealed word of God under a vindicated prophet amen so God bless you thank you for your attention this morning